Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss, a Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robker.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Project Future podcast. In this episode, I speak with Martin Duffy, founder of Majidu, which specializes in selling audiovisual parts and accessories online at serious volume. He's also the author of A Clueless School Leaver's First Decade in Business, which, as the title suggests, documents many of Martin's experiences and lessons learned during the first 10 years of his life as a business owner. In this episode, Martin talks us through how he quickly shifted his focus following his initial foray into self-employment as a live event sound engineer and began selling the products he knew and understood online. He explains how the relationships with distributors he'd already established enabled him to make this transition straightforward and how he used his knowledge of the products to make complicated items easy for customers to understand whilst offering personalised customer service to stand out from his competition. Martin goes on to explain how someone setting up online can leverage the power of Amazon, but also the risks that can come with this, and how an online shop within your own website doesn't just offer an alternative route to market, but can help when it comes to building relationships with suppliers. Let's have a listen. Hi, Martin. Welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. No, it's great to it's great to talk again. Uh, so we, you're a contributor to to my book, and we spoke in the spring. So uh, so yeah, I'm delighted to to find out what you've what you've been up to. I was uh, going through my emails recently, and I couldn't believe how long ago our first conversation was. It's, it must yes, have been, you know, I think coronavirus was just a rumor back then. Yeah, absolutely. The man that we thought was just going to disappear without trace. Absolutely, and uh, <laughs> unfortunately, um, it's it's not not happened that way, which is no. uh, huge huge impacts huge impacts all round, and uh, and we'll come to that a bit later on in terms of how that how it's impacted your business. So, but let's let's start by looking at your background. Uh, I wonder if you can share a little bit about how you started, and uh, and and the business you created. Sure thing. So, I am the uh, owner and operator of Majidu Limited. It's um, an online sales platform specialising in. Uh, audiovisual parts and accessories. Uh, I started my journey in 2009. I was actually working as a um, uh, self-employed sound engineer, uh, doing setting up PA systems for live gigs and conferences. And when I found that the work dried up, I thought, well, maybe I can try and sell some of these things online, you know, the cables and adapters that I was using anyway and had access to trade pricing for. And I was amazed at how much traffic there was online and I started doing that in October 2009 and by February 2010 it had become the main part of my business I sold off the PA systems I sold off the the van and that's what I've been doing in some form ever since well so so literally in four months 
you decided to to, to pivot um, as for, from addition, additional income stream to working out that you'd you'd hit something that could that could work and grow. That's right. It just it just struck me as a much easier and more efficient way of making money than loading vans at four in the morning. Yeah, that's that's the thing, isn't it? I, I think with the, with the earlier business, um, you know, when you when you first started and and, and working in that environment, um, there was that you know there must have been travel time, uh, weekends, unsociable hours, all of that kind of thing. All of that, and then at the end of it, it was hard to even get paid. People ran away. <laughs> you know, so many times I invoiced people, they said, "Oh yeah, the dog ate it. It's in the post." <laughs> um, whereas you know, suddenly I'd I'd found this new industry where you get paid before you have to do anything. Someone yeah, places the order, the money's in, then it's with me just to send it to them. I was like, okay, this is great. I can run with this. It's a big difference, isn't it? So, so, yeah. so where did you start? Which platform did you start selling? Um, and what items did you start selling? My first one was on eBay. And uh, the reason I had so many of these things to sell is because when I used to do higher jobs, so I, I, I would, my company used to be called MJ Sound Services. Um, whenever I would, you know, so I'd set up a PA system for someone for a party. And then they would need the cable to plug their iPad, their iPod into it, for example. I never got those little cables back. And because I was only buying them for 57p or whatever, I never really chased it up. So what I started doing was that I um, I started just, in, in, rather than hiring them out, I just started selling them and just didn't, I, I, I didn't, I didn't even ask for them back. So um, knowing that I had them in that kind of quantity, I thought, well, I, I'll start a little side hustle if I can make an extra 10 pounds a day or something that's a bit of beer money or something and then it took off from there so i I started selling on ebay okay and and that was that was easy enough to to set up i I dare say ebay's not changed a huge amount over the yeah in fact i think i used my existing account you know i had an account since i was a teenager and i just converted it to a business one changed the name of it and and took it from there okay Probably something that was perhaps a bit short-sighted now, because I think now that I've got hundred thousand feedback or something, people can go on my <laughs> people can go on my profile and see that I used to be Martin XOXO or something. <laughs> Everyone has to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so with those items, you you say you 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 knew that you knew what they were. You're familiar with the the distribution. You know how easy was it to um, to in, increase the the volumes. And then to uh, and to work out exactly you know what you should be buying and and you know was there, was there a much kind of trial and error during the early phase? Well, one thing that I one of the most exciting times was when I realised just how cheap I could buy these items for because I'd been buying them retail uh, right. prior to uh, uh, hiring them out, and then I was on a I just found a wholesaler and these cables that I used to buy for two pounds ninety nine or something I was like this that's got to be a mistake forty nine p I didn't understand so. Obviously, I got so I got overexcited, and I put every other cable that they had into the basket as well. I think I bought ten at a time. And the great thing about selling uh, low value small items is that it allows you to kind of do uh, market research in real time. If you buy ten of these items, I can list them. I can see which ones sell, and then I can I know that's a direction that I can go in. So if there's a certain cable that's selling. And I've got the one meter version. I think, well, there's probably a good demand for the two meter and the five meter version. So I, it's almost like, um, almost like when you do mind maps in school. It was kind of like you kind of snake your way through that product range and realize what's good and what what might sell a bit slower. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it, it really does. And I say having the, the the volume the volume business 
um, it, it, as you say, allows that to, to, to really happen in real time. It's, it's, it's a really fascinating point. So, but with that, you know, and with this, you know, with a business like this, it, it is commoditized in, in, in many ways. It's, uh, so what, what was your point of difference in terms of how you, how you stood out and, and how you, you know, you made customers come to you? Well, I had experience using the products, which was a big help. Uh, often, the, you know, if I sell a certain type of cable, for example, there'll be other sellers for it. And what they usually do is they take the manufacturer's description, which is almost usually sort of in code. So, you know, if it's a 3.5 millimeter jack cable, often the jack is actually just the letters JK because they're just right. selling to the industry. They know that the people buying them um, uh, know what they want already. And so what I would do is I, I actually knew what the application of those items did. So if I knew it was the one that you needed to plug a laptop into a, a direct box to go into a mixer or something, I would put that into the, into the, um, into the product title. And so people searching for, you know, uh, laptop jack cable would find me rather than the competition. And that was why uh, just having experience of using these items became so valuable to me as well. So it's all about keywords in, in many respects. It, well, yeah, it's, it's yeah, <laughs> especially okay. in those days as well. No, that's fascinating, isn't it? And and knowing that the customers, you know, may refer to these things by by different names, yeah, um, as as well, you know. So I know I know from experience, it's like you, you know, in in terms of these things, where as a non technical person, you may type in a, a very kind of uh, around the houses type. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I I do it too. Even if sometimes I do know what I'm talking about, I just it's much easier to find it if you know that the person selling it knows what they're doing with it as well. It's easy done, isn't it? And 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 then looking beyond the names of the items, you know, if people get in, got in touch with you and asked, asked you about the, uh, the items, um, I guess you're able to offer some, some fairly decent feedback to them. Yeah. As well. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. And people always found that, uh, reassuring and, and usually is what kept them coming back as well. Okay. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. So where's the distribution of your, of your customers? Are they, um, are, are they, do they tend to be in the UK or do you, do you, do you sell more? I globally? would say I, I sell globally. Um, I would say it's probably 80% domestic, okay. uh, but the, the, um, uh, international orders tend to be some really good ones as well. You know, they, they're the ones that obviously, I guess if they're paying for international postage, they're going to buy more yep. to begin with. So I, um, I sell a lot to Italy. There's a lot of tech companies in Italy that I sell parts to, uh, Australia, all over Europe, actually, Australia, uh, New Zealand, uh, a lot in the States as well. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of countries, I think this was true of Australia, perhaps until recently, that actually don't have their own uh, Amazon site. You know, okay. I, I th like I say, I think they might have one now, but for until very recently, at least, there wasn't an Amazon.au. So they, in many cases, they had no choice but to order from abroad if they were going to shop on that platform. Oh, that's fascinating, Martin. I, I think a lot of that goes back to the early years or the early months really of your business from 2009 and then into into early 2010 so how have things developed as you've as you've moved forwards from there well from that point on i was on a mission to build the business as big as i could um, i started selling on my own website uh, amazon got in touch with me which was uh, surprising you know they called me i think they'd been combing through ebay sellers looking for you know people to join their platform and i was like what the Amazon, you're the actual Amazon, you want to talk to me. <laughs> um, uh, so I focused on, uh, you know, and I, I, so I now have three selling platforms. I wanted to get up to 500 product lines. I took out a bank loan. I got uh, a 7,000 pound loan uh, to speed that up because uh, I was still just reinvesting profits at that point. And I knew it was going to yep. take me a lot longer if I didn't. 
and suddenly you know at some point i became a proper business and i i didn't really see it happen i didn't really see it coming because i think i saw myself as just this lovable urchin who uh, you know, sold a few trinkets online to make a bit of beer money. And then at some point I became the sort of person that people went to for advice and, and uh, became, you know, had some reputation as a business expert among my friends. And I, I just, you know, it kind of snuck up on me. Absolutely. And, you know, even you, you mentioned at the start, a hundred thousand feedback, you know, that's a, that's a lot of feedback, you know, even in a, even yeah. in a decade, you know, it's even just, you know, just meaning that out you know that's that's a hundred that's ten thousand a year uh yeah so that's that's it becomes it becomes even more terrifying when you realize only about 40 percent of people leave feedback and then when i think about the number of envelopes i've ordered over the years i'm probably up to about a quarter of a million now wow that's that's absolutely remarkable volumes isn't it It (laughs) yeah yeah so so let's talk about amazon so you you said that they got in touch and uh, i think you know the way that they've they've developed i i remember you know back in the day when amazon literally just did cds and books you know and yes it's clearly a completely different business now in 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 every possible uh way um so how does how does their uh process vary from from something on ebay and what options do they offer for somebody considering starting selling online Amazon, their biggest strength, I think, now for sellers is their fulfillment by Amazon service. And what that is, it means that you buy the stock, you uh, label it as you see appropriate, and then you send it to Amazon for them to stock in their warehouses. And then they handle the distribution and and sending it out to customers. And the reason that's become valuable is because not only they handle all the customer service issues, but it also makes that the items you're selling eligible for prime delivery and even for non-prime members can get delivery for 99p or whatever okay so so but they um, what type of volumes do they need to have on that because i think for for some businesses that could tie up a lot of cash flow for sending a load it of could stock do into, yes into um, because of the nature of my products i use their small and light service uh which is exactly as it sounds it's for smaller and lighter items under nine pounds uh, they require a minimum of 24 units for each one and if you're going to make it economical um because you have to pay to send it to them, they have a discounted rate with UPS. Uh, but to make it economical, you do have to send, I would say, a couple hundred, at least a couple hundred items per consignment. And okay. that's going to come to, you know, you know, you can have quite a lot of money tied up in those, in those warehouses. And it also does carry a risk in the fact that you would have to pay to have it removed if it doesn't sell. Right. Makes sense. So, so although you've got all those, those perks of, of working with them and, and having their, their, their name and such, their brand associated with it. And I say the, the yes. prime thing, you know, we're, we're prime members and it's, it's a fabulous service, you know, yeah. but, but at the same time, there, there is that kind of risk that by tying up that stock, tying up that cash flow, if it doesn't sell, do, do they send it back to you after a certain amount of time or is that purely your option? Uh, you would have, you would have to pay to have it removed, but if it's in their warehouse for more than a year, then the storage fee skyrockets. So okay. you do have to be careful when you consider what's going to be uh, sending there. And what I usually like to do is uh, do fulfillment by merchant, which is uh, me listing on Amazon. Uh, I and I fulfill the orders. And then once I'm confident that they're moving fast enough that I know that they'll sell because they will sell quicker once Amazon are, are dispatching them because it's obviously more appealing to prime customers like you and me. Uh, yeah. That's when I'll that's when I'll send it to their warehouse. I, I, I don't think I'd ever go in blind with that's a really uh, good selling, selling on Amazon. Yeah, I like that. I, I can see how that would work for a variety of of, of sellers listening. You know, that if, mm-hmm. depending on their the type of items that they have, yep, fulfilled by merchant, trial it, 
Um, I always like to trial things, um, as as the listeners will know. Um, so yeah, absolutely trial that service, and um, you know the margins won't be the same, that the volumes won't be the same as 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 when they will be with the the main service. But uh, to get that confidence that if if you commit to it, then um, you know you won't have to take on those extra fees, have that right. have that stock tied up. So no, that's that, that's fascinating. And and eBay, uh, if you can if you continue with eBay, do you still use that today? I have continued with eBay, and people are often shocked. I think people, you know, I'm, I'm probably in a tiny minority. I actually still make more money on eBay than I do Amazon. I think that's just because of the nature of the products I sell. I still think it's a, a very very good platform for uh, small low value items that people just need quickly. Yep. No, that's interesting. And clearly you've got that history as well that you've, you've built up there. Exactly. Yeah. Reputation like that. And I'm not going to get rid of that anytime soon. So for, for people starting today, you know, would you, would you recommend that they, uh, you made a really good point, you know, about not tying yourself to, uh, to one platform, you know, would you recommend that people try a variety of platforms and even look at some bespoke, bespoke ones? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the thing right now, you hear a lot of advertising for Squarespace, Shopify. I'm with Shopify personally. It's a great service. Um, and I think that, that when a lot of this advertising aimed at people getting into online retail is simply have your own store, but don't write off the marketplaces. The, the online marketplaces like Amazon and eBay are still very valuable. And you've got to remember as well, there's a lot of shoppers out there who, uh, if they need something online, they don't go to Google and search for it. They go straight to Amazon and find it there. For them, yeah. Amazon is synonymous with online shopping and they just don't do it anywhere else. So it doesn't matter how good your marketing is on Shopify. Uh, if you're not on Amazon, you're not reaching those customers. No, that's fascinating, isn't it? So so let's talk about Shopify. So how, how does that work for you? How, how do you implement that within your business? Uh, Shopify is a uh, completely standalone website for me. Um, what they offer for about £30 a month, what I pay for for them is the back-end system, and that is things like stock management, uh, order processing, uh, order fulfillment. So, you know, uh, basically everything I need to do to manage an online shop. Um, when I first started, and this is this is uh, something I found recently, when I first started in 2009, I don't know if Shopify existed, but I certainly hadn't heard of them. And um, when I first started out, I, I Googled, you know, UK shop hosting, whatever. And I went with the market leader and okay. uh, I'm going to be careful with this because they are still in business. And, you, know, but, um, <laughs> you don't need uh, to say any names. No, no, I won't. I'll be careful. Company X. Um, <laughs> and a, a, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine who was starting up with the same thing said, oh, who are you with? Uh, uh, Shopify, Squarespace? And I said, oh, I'm with company X. And they laughed at me. I said, they went, who? Like, what, what are you playing at? And uh I realized they're absolutely right because this thing that was once the market leader has become, had become a very clunky and slow backend system. And they showed me Shopify and how, it, you know, this sounds like an advert at this point, but how, uh, how smooth the um, backend processes were things like uh, stock management and invoice processing and stuff like that, that I switched immediately. And that's, that's one of the benefits I find from speaking to people who have done the research more recently than me. Cause one thing about starting so young you know, I was 19 when I started my first business and 22 when I went full time with it, is that yep. it's very easy if you don't get those uh, opinions to become a dinosaur way before your time. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point. And, and I think these, you know, these things do move along quickly. And for somebody starting now, I, I think a lot of the, uh, the technology has become a lot more user friendly. Um, and it's become, you know, a, a lot cheaper. Uh, so startup costs yeah. are a or a lot lower, you know, than, than they were a few yeah. years ago. One thing um, that's good with uh, a lot of those uh, companies as well, it's, it's definitely true of Shopify, is that you can get a very basic subscription with them. And then there's an app store, 
you know, just like you would on your phone. And so you can download all these little extra features. So for one on my website, I've got a, um, I'd pay a little bit extra a month to have like an Amazon style countdown ticker. So uh, order within the next 39 minutes for delivery this day, select express delivery at checkout. And that um, allows a more dynamic look to the website that allows customers to see, oh, okay, there is, you know, there's people behind this site. If I order now, it will be with me tomorrow. And that is something that converts sales at a much higher rate than just having a, a blank page saying, yeah, click here to order. No, it's interesting, isn't it? And and the, and having your own website, you know, do you think that's necessary for somebody starting out or is that necessarily something that will I, come a bit I later? Wouldn't, I wouldn't insist on it. I just think it's um, it definitely helps with suppliers. Uh, it okay. shows that they are legit. A lot, a lot of the time, if you're talking to a supplier, if they just think you're a marketplace seller on eBay or Amazon, they they might sometimes turn their nose up at you. And sometimes just having your own website is uh, enough for them to see that you are a legit operation. That's really interesting. Yeah. And then it's, that, also that... Good, it's also good just to have the domain in your email and stuff like that. Yep, I think domains and emails, I think, are, are absolutely absolutely key. Even if even if somebody starts, you know, without necessarily selling through their website, but to 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 buy a domain, which can be can be so cheap, that's a that's, exactly. that's a tip. It's a tip that I always share. You know, to have that professional email address, professional website. Um, even if the website just points people to to eBay or Amazon or another marketplace, you know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's absolutely fine. I mean, I don't think they offer this service anymore. But Amazon used to have a thing where you could basically mirror your Amazon store on your own website. So if they just clicked on an item, it just went and you know Amazon hosted the checkout and everything. So I don't think the customer would even necessarily be aware that they were making an Amazon purchase. But you could just easily. Right. I don't think they offer that service anymore. But it used to just mirror it onto your own onto your own website. Okay, and, and and managing these platforms, you know, that you've clearly got a lot of volume going on. Um, is it is it straightforward enough for you to be keeping an eye? It on is. Everything? There's there's um there's third company integrations uh, that can handle it. I did use one of those once, but I just found that it, I, for me, just with the um the high volumes I was dealing with, it was just easier to update them manually at the end of each day. That's not to write those services off. It's just, I think, because of the um, multi-pack elements of what I do, because if I buy 10,000 connectors, I'm not going to sell them individually. I sell them in packs of one, five, 10, 100, whatever. Yep. And so it's much easier just for me to print off a packing list at the end of the day, go onto Shopify and just take them off manually. But th there's there's a bunch of different solutions for that as well. And moving on right up to the present, to 2020, you know what's happened uh, to your business and how has it been been impacted or how have you evolved uh, during the the COVID crisis? Well, I've been busier than ever, and I haven't really had to change anything. And um, you have to be careful the way you talk about it because obviously I don't want to come across uh, grateful or gleeful for a, a rubbish situation that's been so hard on so many people. But uh, when lockdown came in, I was feeling very uneasy because a lot of my customers are schools, colleges, and businesses. And knowing that they were going to be closed, I thought, oh, boy, this could be a rough few months. Uh, another part of my customer base is home hobbyists. You know, people sometimes buy these bog standard audio connectors from me and they send me pictures of their projects. Like I've got this guy that buys these connectors that are meant to be for connecting microphones and he uses them to connect LEDs on his model train set. You know, so knowing that there's a customer base of these enthusiasts out there, I thought, well, if people are at home, maybe that'll sort of deal with the shortfall of you know schools and colleges not um, ordering from me and boy did it in april of this year i sold twice what i did in april last year well that, that that's and that was that was very very unexpected i didn't i didn't expect that at all and believe me i you know a bit of extra money is nice um and it, 
but I would I would swap for a normal year any day. Of course, yeah, but it go, goes without saying. But it's it, yeah. it's fascinating how these new markets kind of came to the came to the fore. And and did you do yeah. any any marketing towards that, or is it literally just people working out they had some time and I was I was all I was all ready to because I thought I was going to have to and then before I knew it I was completely rushed off my feet so no nothing out of the ordinary I just kept my listings online I um I made sure that my listings reflected some um some changes to the dispatch uh um rules that I had in place which I'll get to yeah uh, other than that I didn't do anything differently the th- the main thing that changed in my life was that um uh, when I'm with the with the bulk dispatch uh, offerings that Royal Mail have, uh, they can come and collect your mail, but I find it much easier to for reasons that are far too boring to go into. I take it down to my local delivery office. I take two big bags down every day, okay. And uh, to encourage social distancing, they change their opening hours from whatever normal normal office hours to seven until nine a.m. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, completely closed on Wednesdays. Wow. So that was a challenge because I had to bring in uh, um, flexible dispatch time because ty- typically I offer one working day dispatch, but obviously with it closed on Wednesdays, I couldn't offer that anymore. So I had to find a way to make it two days, Tuesday to Thursday, and then back to normal the rest of the week. And also it meant that to maintain that, I had to process any orders that came in before midnight by seven o'clock the next day. So I found myself working through the night up until the early hours getting three or four hours sleep, getting up, taking those bags down to the delivery office, getting another shift of sleep if I needed to, and then uh, getting on with whatever admin needed doing for the day. It was it was rough, but um, many, many people have had it far rougher. I'm not going to complain about being a bit tired in a No, in absolutely. A and, year. and amazing how you somehow found a way to get those uh, unsociable hours back into your business routine as well. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was a it was a long five months they did that for because i think when it came in there was an expectation that maybe it'd be for i mean i was literally told it might just be for two weeks and then we didn't know no exactly it felt like the rest of the country was opening up and i was still on this strange schedule but again you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain about some strange hours no absolutely and uh but it's you know it's, it's it's fascinating that how those new markets have have appeared and i say yeah. you, were, you were on your way to to marketing them i guess up updating um keywords and things like that but then people were able to 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 find you and and, and having a such a high volume business um i, I guess it, it is all that that market dynamics that we spoke about earlier in terms of you know people people will come to you and you've got that kind of live trial um if you like to understand what's working rather than second guessing things that's right. I mean, that's the, the thing with the sort of items that I sell. They're not going to be impulse purchases. No one wakes up and goes, oh, I, I might, yeah, I might buy uh, some uh, micro jack connectors, uh, micro jack chassis socket <laughs> connectors. You know, people need them and then they're going to seek me out. So, yep. uh, you know, I, I don't know how much marketing I could have done, but thankfully I, I just, in many ways, I got lucky, I suppose, the fact that the demand was still there just for different reasons. Yeah, and then you were able to, to any queries that came in, you you knew why these customers were getting in touch and were able to exactly. kind of reflect your message accordingly. No, that's 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 fascinating. So so what's next, Martin? What's what's your plans for the future? Uh, well, I know what I'm good at. I know that I'm a products man, and I think that's the arena that I'm going to continue working in. What I really want to do is get a bit more exclusivity going on. And what I mean by that is I'm 11 years into this thing and I'm still selling other people's products. And if you're selling other people's products, then other people can do that too and compete with you on price. Um, I'm quite an artistic guy and I know that I'm capable of uh, designing 
some of my own products and I want to get into that arena. I've got some ideas now that probably wouldn't be too wise to broadcast, but there's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, give away all my, all my ideas, but um, that's, that's an arena that I want to go into uh, okay. something that design and create products to market, bring them to market. that are exclusive to me that no one can compete with me on. That's interesting. And, and potentially partnering with others, I guess, as well, you, and leveraging your brand. Potentially. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So yeah, if there's what, any designers what, what, out there. Yes. They, yeah. They I mean, the great, great thing about, uh, you know, having been doing this for quite some time now is that a lot of people that I know have gone the same route. You know, when I was 22 and starting off on my, on my own business, everyone just looked at me like I was insane. But I think a lot of people now, I'm 33 now, and I think, you know, a lot of my friends are uh, starting their own businesses. And a lot of the time we're working together a bit more. Okay, that's that's fascinating, Martin. It sounds like you've got a lot of exciting things uh, coming up as we, as we move forwards. So before we finish, uh, there's always four questions that I ask uh, every guest on the show. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to know what's the one best piece of advice you'd give to someone considering starting their own business? I think if you're already considering it, you're most of the way there. If you're seriously considering it, I don't think you need me to tell you to to give it a go. I think um, a lot of the time I've had people say to me, um, you know, I'm, I'm working at this place, whatever, but I'm doing this on the side and I think I might give it a go. What do you reckon? I, I never quite know what to say to that because I always sort of think, I don't know, do you want to give it a go? Because if you had the same strain of the obsession that I had, you wouldn't be asking you'd be you'd be just taking steps to making it happen uh you know maybe that's different for different people but i just i'm a i'm i'm a big believer in just you know giving it a go because i think there's been a sort of um romanticized view of uh starting your own business that you sort of jump off a bridge and and try and make it make it work but the fact is you know you could go part-time while you try and make it happen if you have a day job uh stay on good terms with your boss, explain what's, you know, what you're going to give, that you're going to give it a go. You'll be fine. If you believe in yeah. it, work hard. Yeah. It's a really interesting point. And, and I think it's, you know, these things that, that it's not often, you know, as, as, as black and white as that, as you say, there, there are, there's ways of kind of organizing things in the background um, and, and going part-time or trialing something yeah. or um, even taking, taking a week off work and doing some volunteering or something exactly. with, a, with, with a business in the same area. You I, know, did, I did both for, for two years and, and sometimes I was working, you know, a 60 hour week at, at my job at the college. And, uh, then I would pack up the van on a Friday night and I'd have two gigs booked for the Saturday, Sunday, and then I'd come back into work on the Monday and it was incredibly exhausting, but I knew what I was working towards. So it was worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've then there'll be a point as there was with you, um, where you decide to, to to kind of make it make it full time. Um, and I say when 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 you did that, you know, I say that was when it, it you moved on very quickly uh, from yes. from doing the doing the band work full time. We didn't cover it earlier, but we you moved on very quickly from from that to the um, to, to to the 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 marketplace business. So so no, it's it's fascinating. And and I say it's a great tip that you know there are always steps that can be taken. That's before right. getting to that critical point yeah so, fantastic and what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started uh that you should have an accountant <laughs> i know that's a very specific <laughs> thing but i i don't know if they're still around as much anymore i probably don't see as much tv advertising but there was always these things of like oh it's so easy to do your account do your own accounts and there's always some very happy looking tradesman scanning receipts and looking very pleased with himself but the, my experience was just an absolute nightmare 
and uh, I would, I, if I could do it all again, I would just get an accountant from day one. When I finally did get an accountant, it was in 2012 when I registered for VAT. And the first thing he said to me when looking at my numbers, he was like, do you have a car? And I said, yeah. He goes, do you do business miles? I was like, uh-huh. How many? This many? He goes, great. That's 320 pounds off your tax bill. I was only paying him 500 or something. He's already paid <laughs> half, his, half his fee in one go. They will always yeah. save you more than you're paying them. Just don't try and do it yourself. Get an accountant. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good point. And, and I think it often, you know, there, there are specialist accountants. So depending on the type of business that, that you're creating, there'll be, a, they'll, you know, there are a kind of a one size fits all type accountants out there. But finding a specialist that's in a, in, in a field that, covers what you cover and we'll ask the questions like you were you were asked there martin i think well it's absolutely key to uh, to having a good relationship it's and one of keep... the most valuable uh, parts of a business i think yeah no I agree so my my accountant has been uh, has been invaluable but they absolutely know what i do why i do it and how um and therefore they, they keep <laughs> keep communication relevant i think is the is, is the best way to say it's it. the one isn't it so it certainly is. So is, is there a resource that you'd recommend uh, for someone at the very start of their journey? So be it a book, a website, or anything you found useful along the way? If you're going into my world, I definitely recommend uh, a website called the Wholesale Forums. It's uh, basically a resource for online sellers, people who buy and sell wholesale and retail. And even if you're not there to actually source opportunities, it's just good to talk to um, other sellers it, it's uh, a good source of inspiration for realizing what a massive playing field it is out there because i think when you're selling online like what i was talking about earlier with you know mind mapping your way through a uh you know a product range sometimes you can start getting tunnel vision and looking at a narrower and narrower uh range of products and you know it's good to find your niche but you don't want to be going too far down that rabbit hole when there's so many other opportunities out there so even you know if, you, if you've got nothing to do with that industry if you see that someone has made a fortune this week by selling spider-man mugs or something it's just a, a good reminder that there's uh not really no uh limit to the product range that you can put together and and how hard you want to work at it Okay, now that's that's fascinating, and I think for, for for people considering selling online, I think that's that that sounds absolutely brilliant. It's not a website mm-hmm. I know, but it's certainly one that I'll I'll, I'll check out. Yeah, wholesale so, forums. Fantastic, thank you, and we'll have that link in the in the show notes as well. Sure. Um. So, and finally, then, who would you recommend as a guest um, on a future episode of the podcast? Someone I know. Yeah, ideally. Yeah. Um, um, in that case, I would love for you to speak to an old friend of mine called Ash Springle. He's a guy that I have known since school. He is a very, very talented photographer, flies all over the world to shoot weddings and stuff. And obviously in 2020, he hasn't been doing that. He could have sat at home moping about it. But instead, he has put together a completely new business from scratch, selling oil burners, homemade oil burners, like the incense kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I know yeah. the ones, yeah. And um, it seems to have become a completely full-time thing that him and his wife are doing now. And the reason I'd like wow. you to have him on your show is because I want to know all about it. <laughs> that, that, that sounds fascinating. And that's, that's, quite, a, that, that's quite a move. Uh, yeah, so, I'll, uh, uh, I'll let him know that I mentioned him and uh, hopefully he'll be uh, willing to come on. Thank you. Yeah, I'd be delighted to speak with him. So no, that's cool. that's a, that's a fantastic uh, recommendation there. Well, thank you very much, Martin. It's been a, it's been a pleasure catching up with you and and learning more about your story. Uh, so yeah, thanks it's thanks so much. Been my pleasure, and all the best with the book launch. If you can get this thing off the ground in twenty twenty, just think about how uh, how it's going to feel when it's all back to normal. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah, we we hope so for for everybody. 
Thank you. All right, man. Take Cheers. care. Thanks. Bye-bye. So what did you think of that? A big thank you to Martin for sharing his story and also the many hints and tips he shared for people considering selling products online. To find out more or get in touch, visit majadu.co.uk or visit his eBay or Amazon shops with details listed in the show notes. Martin has also contributed to my book, Project Future, where he shares more about how he got started in business. Thank you for listening. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback and please share this with anyone you think will enjoy the conversation. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.